Good Sunday morning. This is Mike Sarig, the voice of Vital Ministries, and good to be with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. I tell you what, the weather has been absolutely incredible, uh, going back up to 80 degrees with that uh, 60 plus degrees change that we had this past week, but we will take it today. And my phone shows that we have a possibility of rain coming into the next week. What a great time that is. Maybe today you're traveling down the highway. You've turned on to KBOE 104.9 FM this morning. And we want to just thank you for listening and being part of Vital Ministries today. What an exciting time it is as we get ready to jump into the teaching series. But as you travel today, make sure that you're safe out there. Watch out. Uh, as always, if it's early of a morning, watch out for the deer as they're moving around. And uh, just enjoy the beautiful weather that we are having here in Iowa. And those of you who are on your way to church this morning, Ecclesia, as what a great time it is to come to worship, open up the Word of God, join together as brothers and sisters in Christ. What a wonderful day that is. And just encourage you as you travel, be safe out there. Thank you for those that say, Mike, <laughs> before we even get out of the vehicle, we have to listen to listen to it all the way through. And I want to thank you for that. Also, too, those of you, this is your time of the morning. You're out choring, you're out in your shop, you're out at home sitting by the, by the radio. I want to thank you for being part of Vital Ministries and listening today. And I just pray that this teaching today is an inspiration as we head into our new teaching series, The Suffering Servant. But we'll get into that a little bit more, but just thank you for listening today. Also, two is the things we got coming up. We've got some pretty exciting things that's coming up here uh, with Vital Ministries. We are um, just had our Warrior Breakfast this past March. We have one more that's coming up in April. You don't want to miss out on that. Also, too, I just bring, want to bring to your attention uh, some uh, something special that's coming up. And this is on March uh, 30th in New Sharon, Iowa, from 9 to 11 o'clock on Saturday morning before Easter. We at Lighthouse Church are hosting a Easter egg hunt. Man, I tell you what, it's going to be exciting. We're going to see some incredible things that are going on, and you don't want to miss out on all that stuff that's going to happen. We're going to have an Easter bunny there. We're going to have eggs, bounty houses, uh, coffee, coffee bar, food, donuts, just a great time, just a celebration. And we want to celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we prepare for Easter. So I just encourage you that again. That's on uh, March 30th at Lighthouse, at, sponsored by Lighthouse Church. It is going to be at the North Mahaska High School. We're going to put it inside. We were thinking the weather was going to be a little bit uh, uh, tougher. But again, we are mistaken. And the weather has been absolutely beautiful. But that's coming up soon. Uh, but with that being said, you don't want to miss out on the event. Also, too, we send out devotionals, Vital Ministries, five days a week, both Vital Life and Vital Men. You don't want to miss out on that. Some great teachings that are on there. If you want to get that extra nugget in your day and don't miss out on that stuff, that's great. Also, too, like any ministry, we always need donations in order to continue to be on the radio and also to just to survive at as a ministry. And if you would like to donate to Vital Ministries, you can go to our vitalministries.org website, check it out. You can donate right online or send a check. It tells you a place for a P.O. box. But would appreciate anything that's there. And again, just like in a minute, any ministry, it takes funds to, in order to make it happen. But with that being said, let's jump into the teaching series this morning as we get ready to get started. It's, it's literally five weeks to Easter from this Sunday, which is on March 31st. It's early this year, much like spring in the weather, isn't it? It's a time of reflection within ourselves and also remembering the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
we are going to do a five-week uh, series called The Suffering Servant. See, The Suffering Servant is actually a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 53. The Israel nation doesn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, but as one who has yet to come. To deliver them from the enemies, excuse me, their enemies, and to make Israel into the greatest nation as it was in the time of King David himself. We today as Christians believe that Jesus to be the Messiah who came and was crucified and risen three days later and now sits at the right hand of the Father. We see Jesus as the suffering servant because he was a man of sorrows, all due to the fact of the suffering he had to endure here on earth. He suffers first from leaving the glories of heaven and entering into the human race, into our sin. Imagine with me for a minute this morning of, of what that must be like, that Jesus was secure in his position in heaven. No suffering, no hardship. Yet in John 3, 6, John 3, 16 comes to play because God so loved the world that he sent his son. He made a way back to God through his son, Jesus Christ. It says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shear is silent. With all this being said, he was not a doleful person. He, was, he could actually rejoice in his sufferings because he was, he was looking forward. He was focused on his final destination, the final outcome, which was the cross. Jesus was the pioneer of perfect faith. For the joy was set before him, and he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down. now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrew 12, 12. Yes, he endured all the pain and sorrow, but he kept his eyes on the final joy of completing God's purpose and redeeming his lost sheep, which is you and I. That is our suffering servant in whom we call our Savior. I don't know about you that this morning, but that excites me. Just think about the sacrifice of what Jesus has did and also, too, humbles, humbles all of us, doesn't it? Let's start looking at Jesus' final days with the disciples, which Jesus led to the road of Galilee, the place of the skull in which Jesus would be crucified. In Matthew 19, 1 through 2, we see Jesus leaving Galilee. This will be the last time he... He leaves Galilee until he is resurrected, in which he will meet his disciples once again on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, in that very place. Jesus did most of his ministry on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, many memories of calling his disciples, healing the physical and the spiritual lives of the people. He will now lead Galilee and head south into the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. The Jordan River, in my mind, he has great memories of he and his cousin, John the Baptist. This is where he was baptized. The father called down from heaven saying, this is my son and who I am well pleased. The place in which the Holy Spirit comes like a dove to rest on his shoulders. As he journeys back to Jerusalem, large crowds are following him. He's healing, he's teaching, he's blessing children and coming against the religious rulers, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests, those who know those who know the law but fail to know the author, they are blinded by their own deception. I can only imagine the, the stress and the heartache that he carried in the process of all that amongst the crowds and even the disciples, yet his eyes was focused on the cross. But let's look first at the first point this morning. Point number one, Jesus 
came to suffer. And as we look at that, we're going to look at, if you've got your Bibles this morning, go to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 17 through 19 as we begin today. And I'm reading out of the New Living Bible, and this is what it says. As Jesus was going to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. He says, listen, we're going to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now, there's a lot of stuff that is going on in this short passage of Scripture. This is now the third time that Jesus predicts his death. He gets very specific this time. The chief priests and the scribes, the religious leaders of the Jewish law, will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentile people, the Romans, the masters of death and crucifixion. They... They, they thrive, these men, they thrive on pain and blood and seeing how people, how they can make people hurt all the way up to the very moments of the end of their death of how they, how they can prolong it and see the suffering in which they did to Jesus himself. Jesus knows he's literally walking into the firing line. He does it willingly, but wants to prepare his disciples of what will happen. To get a glimpse, his timing was coming near there are only a there is one of his very own that will betray him what a moment that would have had to been sharing that and, and, and as we go on it doesn't give us much to go on here his disciples reactions peter seems to be silent for some reason james and john aren't calling down the thunder and judas doesn't know he's the one a sobering moment, to say the least, isn't it, as we look back and we f reflect in that moment of how it must have been with Jesus as he's along the Jordan River on the, in the region of Judea. On the way back to Jerusalem, he will travel through one more city, which we'll talk about next week, which is Jericho and his journey back. But it's a time in which he's reflecting, a time that he knows that his days are numbered, that, that the life that he lives here on earth will soon pass. He even tells that them that after his death he will rise from the dead three days later and in my mind they can't comprehend it too much information they're in their own worlds and they can't see past it isn't that so true even today we get so caught up in the things of the world things that are going on in the midst of of all that goes on within life itself and we miss the moments i think of even easter itself of the time of good friday we're actually in, in uh, New Sharon and um, at Lighthouse Church. We're going to have our first Good Friday service uh, on, on Good Friday. And we're looking forward to that. And that, that service will start at 630. And we're going to take a special moment. We're going to have special music. We're going to have a special time of reflection. But always in the back of my mind, on Good Friday, it seems like people forget about the sacrifice, the, the grueling things that were about to happen to Jesus the crucifixion that was yet to happen. And I think we get busy. We don't take time. A lot of times our churches now, even on Good Friday and even on Easter, are no longer full. People are busy. Sporting events are happening. happening. Things outside are going on. And we don't take the time. We forget the sacrifice of the one who gives us very life in our lungs. My wife shared with me this, this week, when you think about in Hebrew, the word God is Yahweh. And when you say Yahweh, Yah is 
you have to breathe in and yah, Yahweh, you breathe out. And the very breath, folks, in which you breathe today is given because of God himself. So shouldn't we take, because that is a very life substance in which we live, shouldn't we take moments in reflection of what Jesus did for us on the cross, moments of of time of taking away, of, of, of realizing the death and the sacrifice that he did for our sins. It's important for us to look at that. We want to put that away. Matter of fact, you'll see some places in churches, they won't even have crosses because it's too too uh, uh, too hard on people's eyes, too too hard to see. And I think it's important in every church that sh- there should be a cross because if it wasn't for the cross, we would not have life with Jesus himself. Which brings me to point number two. Point number two is to be great, you have to serve. And we're going to continue. This is an interesting portion in the Bible that I find as the disciples are now struggling. They're, deci- they're, they're struggling and seeing what's going on. And, uh, and this is what it says. It says that the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respect- respectfully to ask a favor of Jesus. Jesus asks her, what is your request? She replies, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right hand and the other on the left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? They respond, oh yes, we are able. Jesus tells them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I will know, I will but I have no right to say who sits on my right and who sits on my left. My Father has prepared those places for those he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard that the James and John had asked, they were indignant because, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the, that the rulers of, in the world were uh, lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over all those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must first become a slave. Now there's a lot that's going on there, and and we can see in the Bible this morning that Jesus is having a moment with his disciples, and and the mother of, of James and John comes to him. And I think even in the midst, think of this for for a moment, even in the midst of predicting his death, the disciples are thinking about themselves and how they might be great. And Jesus confronts the issue and redirects them to see how they really can be great. See, there's so much to unpack in this passage, but let's start with James and John this morning as we look at that. The sons of Zebedee wanted a place of prominence in the kingdom of Jesus, and apparently their mother wanted that for them as well. Now, many of us would be embarrassed if our mama would have asked something on our, on our behalf, but apparently the sons of Zebedee did not mind that mama came and asked Jesus the big ask. See, Mrs. Zebedee, she kneels before Jesus shows respect, and asks him to give her sons a place of honor in his kingdom. She had the idea of Jesus sitting on the throne and one brother sitting on one side of him and the other brother sitting on the other. So we love to read the the Gospel of Matthew, don't we, that Jesus doesn't even answer their mother. I like this. Jesus addresses his answer to James and John directly. So we know that they are watching all of this to go down 
in the description. See, Jesus doesn't really answer the request. In fact, Jesus responds with a question of his own. Are you able to drink of the cup in which I'm, a, I'm about to drink? They don't have a clue of what's going on. They are so full of position, of wanting place of, of respect. Now, this is what I say this. I, I believe this to be true. Men don't follow passion. Excuse me. Men don't follow position. Men follow passion. Men who are courageous. Men who, who have courage. And that is important for us to look at today. They wanted position. But see, Jesus was being courageous. He was about to take on a cross, not only for their sins, but for sins of all humanity. See, Jesus pointed out to them, they don't know the implications on what they are asking. Jesus speaks of this cup. The idea here of the drinking of the cup is the idea of Jesus experiencing something that is terribly difficult. He will be consumed Consuming punishment, wrath, and guilt that he does not deserve. And yet, he will drink it. He will take it on. He will put it on his back, which is literally a cross, and take it to the way to Golgotha. They are having a moment here. And the thing that's, as I read this, you can see that it almost frustrates you. Why in the world would they ask such a question? And why would they have their mom come to them and do such an ask, right? Now, think of when you had to drink a terrible tasting medicine when you were a kid. It was, it was as if your parents were asking you to drink gasoline and it tasted terrible. The cup you were drinking was nasty medicine. I think about this when the nighttime cold medicine, NyQuil, when they got a little bit better. I don't know about you, but drinking that when I got a bad cold was nasty. I would always have a large glass of water ready and handy to drink because it tasted so awful to me. And you, you drank it because you wanted a good night's sleep. You're sniffling, sneezing, all that different stuff that was going on. But you had to drink of that small little cup in order to get a good night's sleep. That is nothing compared to what Jesus took on and the cup he was about to drink. See, the cup that Jesus drinks is the wrath of God poured out on sin. It's more dark and destructive than anything we could ever imagine. Jesus will consume all the punishment. And yet the disciples have no idea of the weight of what Jesus is talking about literally in the moment. I think it literally flies right over the top of their heads because they, they come back with the answer, yes, we are able. But Jesus is an incredible leader. Instead of coming down on them, he, he's extremely patient. Not only is he patient, he shows compassion to them because he knows in their humanistic minds that they don't have an idea of what Jesus is about to go through. See, so he doesn't care to correct them and say, you have no idea about what I'm talking. You're being selfish and foolish. Instead, Jesus points out that they too will someday drink his cup. What he means is that they will suffer. James would later be put to death and John would be exiled. In fact, all the disciples would eventually suffer in some way. They don't know the extent to which Jesus will suffer or, that the, or how they will suffer. However, Jesus does say that they will go through what he will go through to some extent. See, then Jesus says plainly to them that it's not up to, to him to determine the place of honor 
of, of the disciples. That is God's role. God will reward as he sees fit. It wasn't, see, again, we see Jesus submitting to the Father. He is not taking authority over, but coming alongside the Father and knowing the Father is the one who makes that position. See, the truth that Jesus shares um, fits right into the line with that he shared with the parable of the vineyard workers in verses 1 through 16. It's God's right and prerogative to show grace to whoever, to whoever he wants to and show grace and reward to whoever he wants to reward. That's important. So James and John get a small glimpse into the fact that they will face a future like Jesus' future, and they get and they get um, they get it down to understand to a place of really what reward's all about. That's not why Jesus is on earth at the time. He is there to suffer for sinners and to drink of the cup of God's wrath. However. This is not the end of the story. So you see the other disciples found out what was going on. James and John, they did not, uh, uh, they did not hold back. They, and it says that, the, that they became indignant. The other disciples were indignant with the other men. They were angry. The disciples were surely not just angry because of the brothers were being selfish. They were angry because they wanted to be prominent. They were not righteous indignation. They were jealous, envious, indignation of wanting what James and John had just asked. Jesus knew what was going on throughout all of this, and he patiently and calmly sought to teach them a lesson. He says, remember, Jesus could have said, what's wrong with all of you? Did, didn't you just hear me and what I was going to suffer and die? Now you all are talking about who is going to have the most prominent place in my kingdom. However, that is not Jesus' method in the, at all. In the moment, He's patient and continues to be loving. Jesus makes a point by showing a contrast between how people should see greatness in the world and the, and the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and that those in the high positions are act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be their servant and whoever wants to be among you must be a slave. See, Jesus speaks of the earthly rulers seeking to show the greatness by acting as tyrants and exercising their power over others. They seek more prestige, more power, more influence, more of what, how great they are than anything else. And that is still the case with many earthly leaders today, as we see without a doubt in such a time as this within our nation. See, Jesus said that the powerful words to his apostles and the, and the power of God's Spirit, it must not be like that among you. Listen, people today. Listen, those of you who call yourself Christians, that we are not to be like those of the world. It must not be like that among us. We are not to seek power, not to seek prestige, not to seek influence, but to serve. It's a mouthful, wasn't it? See, God came and the greatness of God's kingdom comes through humility and service. Church, seek humility, seek service, seek to be like Jesus. To be great, you must first learn to serve. Which brings me to my third and final point this morning as we finish. That Jesus 
Life was here to serve. See, Jesus was the great one, came not only to suffer, but to serve. And indeed, he would serve in the greatest way of suffering. By explaining his own suffering, Jesus says this in verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus is teaching the disciples that the other and the other followers of him to become great is by serving, just as he served others. And indeed, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve others. Listen again, people. If anyone ever deserved to be served, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. However, he came first for the chief purpose of serving others. He would demonstrate that through his commitment to servanthood by giving his life as a ransom for many. And of course, a ransom is a price to be paid, to be paid back. We are slaves to sin, and that price must be paid by us. Back, back is death. Jesus paid the price. Jesus died for the ransom for us. Jesus willingly laid down his life. He didn't have to. He could have wiped out all the bad guys, all the betrayers, and evil the religious leaders, and all the Romans. But instead, he took the posture of a servant and displayed the ultimate act of humility by laying down his life. Oh, what we could learn as humanity. Oh, what a sacrifice. Oh, what servanthood it is. See, folks, that is the model that we as believers should show. That our goal is to be more like Jesus in servanthood. We are great, we are great by serving. We are great by sacrificing. We are to be great like the great one. And be a great servant. Let me pray with you this morning. Dear Jesus, again, we just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for being the suffering servant of our lives, the one who came and died on a cross for our sins. Jesus, we pray today that we thank you, but we also too confess our sins, that we have sinned against you, that we are, as Paul would say, the chief of all sinners. Help us that maybe somebody this morning that's listening to my voice sees their own sin, sees their own act of, of how they have betrayed you, have given you up, or maybe even positioned themselves to be in greatness. Help us all to learn to be servants like you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. Folks, we're going to continue this, this teaching series, The Suffering Servant. You don't want to miss it. I'm Mike Sarig, the voice of Vital Ministries.